following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. Psalm 98. O sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar in all that fills it, the world and those who live in it. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills sing together for joy at the presence of the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory and the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. And then chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. Well, hello everybody. Uh, I'm coming to you with a pre-recorded sermon this week. I'm standing here in my office on a Tuesday when I record this. Uh, and I hope that you are having a good Sunday when you are watching or listening to it. Um, I am pre-recording the sermon this week because my family and I are on vacation. We're in New York City to uh, celebrate my older son Abel's uh, soon upcoming graduation from high school. So we're doing lots of fun stuff, but I wanted to make sure that I was able to do this sermon because... It kicks off uh, the series that is going to be starting next at Artisan, which is really exciting for me uh, because it's something that we have been working on at Artisan 
uh, for a really long time. In fact, when we finish out this project that's just resuming now, today, um, it will have taken us 10 years to complete um, what we were trying to do, uh, which is that we were trying to go through the entire Gospel of John and do sermons. I was trying to do sermons uh, of, of the entire book of the Bible. Um, so just a quick uh, explainer, if you're not familiar with the language of the Gospel of John, there are four books in the, in the Christian scriptures that are called Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, if you were here last week on Easter Sunday, uh, Kristen gave a powerful sermon, which, by the way, you should go listen to if you haven't heard it already. Uh, but one of the things she said uh, is that the word gospel, um, which is where we get the word evangelism from in English, the word gospel simply means good news or message. And so the four gospels in the Bible are the books of the Bible that tell the good news of Jesus, the message of Jesus. They talk about his life, his teaching, his miracles, his death, his resurrection, his appearance to the uh, disciples. Now, of those four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are actually quite similar to each other. And you can see, uh, if you look at them closely, that clearly they borrowed from each other um, in, in the uh, types of stories that they told and the way that they told them. But the Gospel of John, this particular collection of stories about Jesus is quite different from the other three. And uh, it has different stories in it that aren't found in the other three Gospels in some cases. Uh, it's different in the way that John talks about Jesus and thinks about who Jesus is. One of the reasons that it's probably so different is that it's written much later than the other ones. Um, and so it's a really fascinating book of the Bible, a really great way to um, be introduced to the ideas that Jesus was about. Uh, and we started it, as I said, almost 10 years ago now. And we would go through it maybe four or five weeks at a time. We'd do a series about of the Gospel of John in between some other topics or uh, parts of the Bible that we were looking at. And for a while, we would do it, you know, every couple of months maybe. And then um, it started to get a little bit less common. So we started this in May of 2012, if you can believe that. Think about what you were doing in the spring of 2012. Uh, so next month, it will have been 10 years since we started it. And I remember joking um, at one time during the series, as it started to get farther and farther in between the times when we would return to John, I remember joking that maybe we'll get to finish this gospel um, by the time my son graduates from high school. And we were all like, oh, ha, 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 that's so funny. Because uh, at the time, you know, he was uh, in middle school. <laughs> And we're almost going to make it. We're just going to miss it by a few days, as a matter of fact. Abel is graduating uh, from School of the Arts here in Rochester on the last Thursday in June. And we're scheduled to finish up the final sermon from the Gospel of John on the last Sunday in June. So we're going to miss it by just a few days, which I think is really funny. Uh, so what we're going to do is just finish out the book of John from where we left off um, and, and go right through to the end of the book. And believe it or not, where we left off, um, or when we left off in this book, uh, it was July of 2017, uh, which means it's been almost five years since we 
even looked at this book, which I, I can't even believe, but that is how time passes. And there's been so many things that have happened in between. Um, you may know if you're a, an artist and historian that July of 2017 is when we passed uh, and published the first version of our LGBTQ inclusion statement. So think about all that's come down our road since, uh, since that event. That's how long it's been since we were in the Gospel of John. So today on this video sermon, what I want to do is sort of set up where we're going. Um, and because it's been so long, I mean, five years ago, half of you might not even have been part of Artisan at that time. So I thought it would make sense to summarize what we had already covered in the Gospel of John, um, what had happened in the book uh, so far up to the point where we left off, which was the end of John chapter 16. And then I'll give you a brief preview of what is yet to come in the Gospel of John. And so that's why I uh, had the, the readings that I had read in the service today, the, the, the passages from John that I selected to be read. Um, it's actually the very first paragraph of the Gospel of John and the very last paragraph of the Gospel of John. And they really do work as bookends to what, uh, all the stuff that comes in between. That first paragraph, what we call the prologue to the Gospel of John, makes a really uh, beautiful and poetic and compelling case for Jesus as fully human and fully divine. And then the conclusion of the Gospel of John explains, he, he sort of tells his readers why he took the time to write it down. He says, um, Jesus did all kinds of things that weren't recorded in this book, but the things that I have recorded in this book, these signs of, uh, and miracles, these are written down, he says, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing you may have life in his name. So, I'm also going to encourage you during this next several weeks, this season where we finish out the Gospel of John, to be reading the Gospel of John yourself. Now, you don't have to read the whole thing, although if you wanted to do that, you certainly could. Um, but the, the Gospel of John is a good place to start. Some of you have told me recently um, that you're either newer to faith or newer to this version of faith, and you, and you never really read the Bible much. You're looking for a place to start. Well, this is a really interesting place to start. It's not a perfect place to start. Of course, there's no perfect place for every person to start reading the Bible. But the Gospel of John is a really powerful bit of writing, and it has some very famous stories in it that I'm sure you recognize even if you're new to the Bible. Uh, and there's some really challenging stuff in there as well. So when I give you the, the recap, I'll, I'll kind of point out some places that you might um, consider starting. So here's what's happened in John so far. As I said, the, right out of the gate in the Gospel of John, we have one of the most important and powerful passages in all of Scripture, which is the prologue to the Gospel of John. It's the first 14 verses of chapter 1. And it starts out with these words, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. And the, the, the word, Word, is capitalized in the text to indicate that this is not a literal word. It's, it's this cosmic concept of God's logic that's actually uh, embodied in a person of Jesus. The word became flesh and lived among us. So you get this, these key ideas that, that Jesus, the embodiment of, of all that is divine uh, in a human form, uh, was 
not only present with the people in, in a physical form then, but was present with God at the very beginning of all things. And speaking of beginning, that word beginning is really important. The first three words of the Gospel of John are in the beginning. And maybe you know that the first three words of the, of the Bible itself are in the beginning. So John is right out of the gate connecting the story of Jesus to the story of the creation of the whole universe in the first page of the Bible, the very first words of the book of Genesis. So that's how the book of John starts. And then the book of John concludes with that other passage that that you just heard read is um, the explanation of why he wrote down the book. And he mentions these signs that Jesus did when he was on earth, the miracles that he performed. And there are seven signs that are listed in the Gospel of John. And so originally when we started this this, um, exploration of this book, we called the series Signs of Faith because it was all about getting through these seven signs. And so this is one of the ways you might read along with, uh, with the Gospel of John as we're going through it, even though you'd be reading some stuff that we've already covered it would be a way of kind of catching up. And that would be to read the, the stories of the seven miracles, the seven signs of faith. So I'll list them for you now. If you want to jot them down and go look at them yourself, I'll tell you what the stories are and where you can find them in the Gospel of John. Um, and that would be a way that you could uh, get caught up as well as do some Bible reading on your own. So the first sign is the, the changing of water into wine at a wedding in Cana. That's in John chapter 2. The second one is Jesus' healing of a royal official's son. That's John chapter 4, at the end of chapter 4. The third one comes in John chapter 5, and it's when Jesus heals a paralyzed man at, um, at a pool in Bethesda. The fourth one, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, and this one is told in the other Gospels, is the feeding of 5,000. That's in John chapter 6. Um, and then later in chapter 6 is the fifth sign, which is Jesus walking on water. Then in John chapter 9, you have the story of him healing a man who was born blind and restoring sight to him or giving sight to him. Uh, and by the way, we've had some really provocative and interesting conversations about these healings of people with disabilities um, and and uh, whether people with disabilities always want to be healed uh, nowadays or even then. And that's been really a provocative conversation that's come up a few times. We don't have time to get into it today, but I'll acknowledge that that is something that has come up when we've talked about these stories. And then the seventh sign is the raising of his friend Lazarus from the dead. And um, that's John chapter 11. By the way, the healing of the man who was born blind, if I didn't say, was John chapter 9. So what's really interesting is that um, after that seventh sign takes place in John chapter 11, there are still nine chapters left in the Gospel of John. It's a book that has 20 chapters. And so eventually we switched the series title. We stopped calling it Signs of Faith because we had covered all of the signs already. And we started calling it Journeying with Jesus. Well, uh, Journeying with Jesus where? Um, well, eventually to the cross, uh, to his crucifixion. That's, that's where the story goes in the end. 
But along the way to the cross, we see Jesus teaching in all kinds of provocative ways, uh, including by his strong identification with God, uh, who Jesus calls the Father, or even my Father. And Jesus makes several statements about himself uh, that begin with the phrase, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the voice. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, those sentences, those statements about himself would be provocative enough. But what is fairly easy for English-speaking readers to miss is that the phrase, I am, is literally the name of God in the Hebrew Bible. Um, You may have heard the name Yahweh, or in uh, an older context, it might have, you might have heard the word Jehovah. Both of these are um, anglicized versions of the Hebrew phrase, I am, or I am what I am. Uh, so in Exodus chapter 3, when God calls Moses to lead the people, um, the Israelites, out of slavery in Egypt, and, and Moses says to God, uh, say that I go and tell the people that the God of their ancestors sent me to them. And they ask me, what is this God's name? What am I supposed to say to them? And the answer that God gives him is, um, I am who I am. That's the name that he gives him. So he says, say to the Israelites, I am has sent me to you. And that's what, I should say, that's who Jesus connects himself to with all of these I am statements. So it's very provocative. And you can see that this gospel is not just a series of stories about Jesus. It is that, but it's also a deeply theological book that presents us with uh, Jesus as a Messiah who fully inhabits both the humanity of his body and the full divinity of the creator of the universe. Now, some people will say um, that you can discount this kind of big, heavy theology because this book was written so much later than all the other books of the New Testament or most of the other books of the New Testament. It was written a few decades later than the other three Gospels, which themselves were written a few decades at least after the crucifixion of Jesus. And so some people say, well, John, you can discount John because they were just making stuff up at that point. I mean, fair enough, we should engage with that concept, I'm sure, but the flip side of it is that the Gospel of John represents a more mature and the most fully formed Christian theology in all of the New Testament. Right? The Gospel of John it has a deep and powerful Christology. It's the, the theology of who Jesus is and was. It's articulated by Jesus' closest disciple. By the way, all through the book of John, John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Right, um, Very subtle. But it's told in a way that has the benefit of having seen history unfold in ways that confirmed what Jesus had taught and predicted. And so the age of the book, uh, you know, uh, being, being later than the others, the most of the other books in the New Testament in the Christian scriptures, might also be an asset for it. Just something to consider. So that's kind of a recap of where we've been in the Gospel of John. Now, let me tell you briefly what's coming up in these final four chapters, 17 through 20. And this is, by the way, is the other way that you could 
uh, consider reading the Bible as we're going through the Gospel of John, finishing it out. You could read chapters 17 through 20. You, you could read them every single week for this whole series, and that would really give you a very strong foundation um, for what we'll be covering in the sermons. So if you wanted to read the seven signs, the stories of those, you could do that. You could also read 17 through 20. You could do both. Depends on how much time you want to spend with it. But here's what is contained in these chapters. Chapter 17, the whole chapter is a prayer that Jesus prays. And not just any prayer. It's a prayer that he prays for his disciples. It's really moving and powerful. Has some... um, some language in there that has become very, very popular, permeated Christian subculture in a deep way that we'll talk about. Um, And it actually also connects the disciples of Jesus's time with the disciples that would follow after, which I think is really wonderful because it includes you and me and all of us who call ourselves Christians now, or maybe those of us who don't even like that term, but consider ourselves kind of on the path uh, with Jesus. Then we have the story of Jesus's arrest, which includes his betrayal at the hands of one of his closest friends and uh, a complete denial of any relationship with him whatsoever by another one of his closest friends. So if you have ever been betrayed or let down by your close friends, those stories are sure to hold some significant meaning for you. From there, we go on to hear about the trials of Jesus. That's right, I said trials, plural. Um, He had a trial before the religious authorities, and he had another trial before the governmental authorities. So when you hear me say, like a broken record, that Jesus, that God didn't kill Jesus, that the, the twin systemic evils of corrupt religion in bed with nationalism and empire is what killed Jesus. This is what I mean. And the, the ending of the Gospel of John gives it to us in no uncertain terms, right? And so I can't wait to preach that sermon. I wish it was falling on the 4th of July. Um, not really. We don't have a service on the 4th of July this year, by the way. Um, So we hear about the trials of Jesus. Then we move on to the crucifixion of Jesus and how he was mocked and tortured and how in his final breaths, he spoke to those, both those who loved him and those who hated him. And it's incredibly powerful. Um, So then we have a week off from John. We have a really special service on Sunday, June 5th, which you do not want to miss. At that service, we'll have baptisms and baby dedications and confirmations of some of our young people and commissioning of ministers on a local level, since we we are no longer going to be, as of the end of the month, connected to, or the end of that month, connected to our denomination. Um, So June 5th is going to be a really special and big Sunday. Don't miss that if you can help it. And then after that service, we'll resume for a few more weeks and finish out the Gospel of John. We'll have the story of the empty tomb. We'll have the story of the appearance of Jesus, um, uh, of the risen Christ to uh, his disciples. And then it concludes with one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible, uh, the last narrative piece of the gospel before John concludes by telling us why he wrote the book. Remember I talked about that part, which is the story of Thomas. And actually, I wasn't planning on this, but I have a beautiful painting here that um, tells this story. It's by Caravaggio. This is called The Incredulity of St. Thomas. 
And it's the story of one of Jesus' disciples who had heard that Jesus was appearing to the other disciples, but who refused to believe until he could physically touch Jesus, including putting his hands in the holes in Jesus' body that were caused by the crucifixion. And that's why uh, I, I love that story so much. That's why I have this piece of art hanging right on my wall. If you've ever come into my office uh, studio here, it's like the first thing you see. It's a little graphic, but um, it's really powerful. Um, and that brings us to the end of June and to the end of the Gospel of John. So there you have it. I can't wait to get started again with this and to finish it out. It's, it's uh, 10 years in the making and we're going to finish strong. Um, and I encourage you to be reading along, either by reading the story of those, the stories of those seven signs um, or by reading chapters 17 through 20 or, or both. Or if you really have a lot of reading on, uh, time to give it, you could read through the entire Gospel of John. So I can't wait to be back, back with you in the room next week to work through this amazing spiritual text together. Uh, and as I conclude now, I'm going to invite you to come forward and take communion um, because that is the, uh, the sacrament that Jesus offered his disciples in his own time and which he offers to us today. And so if you are seeking to follow Jesus, whether you feel like you're good at it or terrible at it, old at it or new at it, whether you're a member of this church or not, or of any church or not, this is the table of the Lord, which is made ready for those who seek him. And it's God's desire that you find Jesus here. And so I'm going to invite you to come forward if you'd like to take communion while we sing a song together. You can come in through the center aisle and take, uh, take the elements from one of the bowls. There's a regular version and a gluten-free version. And then you can proceed back to your seats through the side aisles. And just take those elements, the bread and, and juice, uh, whenever you're ready to do so. And when you take it, remember the sacrifice of Jesus, his broken body, his shed blood for the forgiveness of sins. And remember God's deep, endless love for each one of you. May it be for you the real presence of Jesus, our Savior. May it be spiritual food for your hungry, weary souls. And may it be an act of unity with each other with me at a distance, with other Christians around the city, around the world, and throughout time who have celebrated this same sacrament in their own way. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.